0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. We jump right into this text tonight. We are looking at the account of the king of Israel, the first king of Israel, King Saul. Saul is a very fascinating Bible character. He's a very powerful Bible character and a very sad Bible character. Saul was anointed to be prophet over the nation by Samuel. We saw that in verse 1. It says, Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over the people. That's a grave responsibility that he had. But if we rewind a little, we see in 1 Samuel chapter number 8 where Israel comes to the prophet Samuel and says, uh, we've had God as our leader for so long, but we've been looking around. We've been, seeing, we've been seeing the nations around us that they have kings, and we want to mirror the world. Let me just pause for a second and say, whenever Christians start looking around at the world and seek to mirror the world, that's always a foolish choice. God's people should not seek to mirror the world, but yet God saw this request. He was very somber about it, and he granted their request. 1 Samuel 10, Saul was hand-selected by God himself to be the king. We see that if you study Saul's life at the very beginning, he was a humble man. He was a man that was a servant. He served his father. He was a striking man. He was head and shoulders above all the people. He was... Quite a remarkable young man. He had great potential. And his reign really did get off to a strong start. But then the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 13 that after about two years on the job, Saul began to err. He began to have decisions in his life that would really cause his kingdom to unravel. His reign began to falter because he began to fail in one specific area. He began to disregard this one important pivotal trait. He failed at something that's a foundational part of the Christian life. He began to fail. And when he failed in this area, it grieved God's heart. It grieved the man of God's heart. It removed the blessing of God from the kingdom. He lost his throne and he hurt his family. As I read that rap sheet, no one would sign up for that. No one would want to emulate that list. He started with promise, but ended with despair and destruction. What Saul began to struggle with in his life is still a problem today. It's a word that's really toxic in our society. It's a trait that many people want to just cast aside. They want to disregard. They want to do away with it. But it's something that many Christians struggle with. It's a word that we must carefully consider if we're gonna experience God's blessing in our lives, if we're gonna experience God's power in our lives, if we're gonna experience God's help in our lives. It's a trait that every child must master. It's a trait that everyone in the teen department has to have. It's essential. Every college student in this room and watching by way of the internet as you come to Golden State in this fall, This trait will make or break your college year. Every adult, this trait must be in your fiber. This trait must be taught in our homes. It must be exemplified in our workplaces. It must be part of our daily lives. You might have guessed it, but the one word that Saul neglected so much was that word obedience. He went from being a humble young man, crowned to be king, To a few years later, he was removed by God and put on the shelf. All because he chose not to obey. So often we're guilty of this in our lives. We will obey the things that are easy, the things that might be convenient, the things that don't cost us much. But in our Christian lives, God's looking for complete obedience. God is looking for it in every person, whether it's easy or difficult. He's looking for my obedience in the big things and in what we might call the little things. Saul wanted God's blessing in his life without obedience. But what he failed to realize was that obedience is the pathway to God's blessing. Let me say it one more time. Saul failed to realize that obedience was the pathway to God's blessing. Tonight I want to preach just a very simple message, not anything groundbreaking, but I want to preach a message that's entitled, God is just looking for your obedience. God is just looking for your obedience. Lord, I pray that you'd help this message to be a help to our church. It's been a help in my own life. Pray that you'd help me to deliver It's my prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago, a man began walking the streets in Philadelphia, he was unemployed, and he said, I need to find work, and so he began going street by street, looking in places of business and establishments, and he wanted to find work. He came across a very well-to-do institution, and he walked in the door, and he talked to the secretary, and he was ushered into the office of the owner, Mr. Gerard. Mr. Gerard was a very successful very established businessman. When he asked for a job from Mr. Gerard, Mr. Gerard said, yes, I have a job for you to do. Your job is to go out in that yard. See out there? There's a big, large, large pallet, pile of bricks. It's very heavy, but I need you to move it from this side of the yard to that side of the yard. Stack it up, come back when you're done. All day long, that young man walked the bricks across the yard and piled them up and did exactly as he was told. He came back to Mr. Gerard that evening. He said, I've completed what you wanted me to do. And Mr. Gerard paid him for his efforts. And he was about to walk out the door. And he said, Mr. Gerard, is there anything I can do for you tomorrow? Mr. Gerard said back to the man, yes, you can come back tomorrow. What I want you to do is move that pile of bricks from that side of the yard to this side of the yard. So the next day, the young man came back, and he worked all day long, moving the pile of bricks that he had just moved the day prior back to the same spot they were in. He did that for seven days straight. Mr. Gerard paid him every single day to move the bricks back and forth. When the week was up, Mr. Gerard called the young man into his office and said, I've got a new job for you. I'm going to promote you. You have shown to me that you can be obedient over small things, he promoted him to a very high ranking position. He sent him to the auction house the next day and said, I want you to bid on a very large project for me. And he went and represented Mr. Gerard and the bidding house. When the men at the bidding house had the young man come forward, he had won the bid. He said, Who do you work for? I don't recognize you. He said, I work for Mr. Gerard, I'm his agent. Mr. Gerard rewarded that young man because he was able to see that young man had complete obedience over the little things. Tonight Saul as we read our text was just doing the exact opposite. God gave him such a clear command in the verses we read. Saul was given a direct uh, a job from God Almighty in verse 1. It says, "Now hearken thou to the voice of the words of the Lord." Samuel said to Saul, "I need your ears. I need your attention. Listen, here's what God wants you to do. You know what, it's kind of interesting to me that maybe we say, well, Saul didn't obey, he didn't listen, but so often we're guilty of this. Every single week we have a pastor that stands up with the Word of God and says, this is what God wants you to do this week, and it's our job to listen and obey. But Saul, he listened to the message from God's man and the message was very clear. You see, saw it in verse 3. Now go and smite Amalek, utterly destroy all that they have. It's pretty straightforward. Well, Saul goes to battle, and we see in verses 7 through 10 that Saul begins to smite Amalek. But number 8, verse number 8, we see where he begins to veer from his assignment. He took the king Agag and, uh, uh, of the Amalekites alive, and he utterly destroyed the people. But... Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good, and they would not utterly destroy them. He chose to spare Agag. He chose to spare the sheep. He would not utterly destroy them. That is direct disobedience to the commands of God. Well, all the while, while Saul was doing his own thing and just completing part of the job, God was watching. Look at verse 10. Then came the word of the Lord to Samuel, saying, It repents me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me, and he's not performed my commandments. That night it grieved Samuel, and he cried to the Lord all night. What a sad, sad set of verses. God saw... Saul saved the sheep God saw Saul save the spoils he saved the king and Saul's actions brought sorrow to God's heart and to the man of God's heart I sure hope that my life would never bring sorrow to God Almighty or to the man of God but Samuel then comes and confronts Saul with this error with his sin. Verses 13 through 21, Then Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I perform performed the commandment of the Lord. That was a lie. Then Samuel said, What meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen? Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep of the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Samuel Gives the message from God that God is disappointed in Saul. And twice we see Saul cover his actions. Verse 13, I've performed the commandment of the Lord. I've done it. Then in verse 20, he says the same thing again. Right after the man of God reprimanded him, he said uh, in verse 20, and Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I've gone and done which the Lord sent me. That was so, so backward. And he would not admit his his wrongdoing. It wasn't that bad to him that he had disobeyed. He really tried to spiritualize his disobedience. Then we read in verse 22 and verses 23, God's clear and direct punishment to the life of Saul. Samuel said in verse 22, Hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, To obey is better than to sacrifice, to hearken than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. His disobedience cost him his throne, it cost him God's presence, it cost him great heartache, it cost him his children. All as a result of disobedience church tonight we can look at saul's life and say wow what a failure but yet tonight i wonder how well we're doing in this area of obedience god is still looking for obedience in his children tonight the word obey means to comply with the commands the orders or instructions of a superior we live in a society today Where obedience is just being cast to the side. It's being thrown away. We don't want rules. We don't want parental authority. Pastor, you just mentioned that. Wow, what a powerful thing you just said. I hope we were listening. We don't want parental authority. The social media, television media, all the schools, they're seeking to remove parental authority, they're seeking to undermine parental authority. We're seeking to remove pastoral authority. It is only considered if it lines up with our desires and our lifestyles. We don't want to have a boss. We don't want to have anybody over us. We want to defund the police. We want to remove law and order. We want to allow everything that's right in our eyes, but we don't want to obey or submit. Phrases like, my choice are prevalent. Phrases like, I don't feel like that, or they have no right to tell me resonate in our society and they've created a casual a soft a weak society because we've cast off the biblical mandate for obedience but tonight church the christian life is foundational Uh, the foundation for the christian life is obedience getting saved is a result of a sinner obeying god's command Getting baptized is known as the first step of obedience. Tithing is simple obedience. Soul winning, obeying the Great Commission, simple obedience. Serving in the church and serving in the work of God is just simple obedience. Reading the Bible is simple obedience. Praying is simple obedience. Attending God's house, it's not difficult, but it's just simple obedience. If God is looking... And he's on the hunt for my obedience. Here are a few thoughts that we need to consider tonight. Number one, God is looking for my obedience to his authority. God is looking for my obedience to his authority. Just as a parent would expect and demand obedience from their children. So God Almighty demands obedience from our lives. He has placed several lines of authority in our lives and he desires for each of us to submit to those authorities and obey. General Montgomery was a a famous British general in the World War II era, and uh, he came uh, from Britain to the Africa Corps during the time when the Axis powers had just really swept across Africa. Africa was being overrun by the Nazis, the fascists, and uh, they were winning battles left and right And from Great Britain, they sent General Montgomery down to Africa to try to uh, hedge the battle and win the war and turn the tide. It was a pretty dark day when he arrived in North Africa. When he came to the command in North Africa, General Montgomery expected his commands to be carried out. He said, no longer are my orders formed for the basis of discussion, but for action." No longer are we just going to talk about what the leadership wants. We're going to expect you to take action upon it. Well, after he began instituting that policy and that theater of the war, it was amazing. And you know, history tells the tale that the Axis powers began to get pushed back and the allies began to win victory after victory. Why? Because a general said, I expect obedience from my uh, uh, people that are following my, my orders god expects obedience from our lives what does he expect us to obey number one he expects us to obey his word thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path psalm 119 says deuteronomy eleven twenty six 26 through 28 the bible says behold i set before you this day a blessing and a curse a blessing if you obey the commandments of the lord which i've commanded you this day and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the lord your god Galatians 5, 7 says, Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? God is looking for us to obey His Word. This week as we read through the pages of Scripture, God is going to show us His instructions. He's going to show us what He wants us to do. He's going to show us what He doesn't want us to do. And it's my job not to question His authority, but it's my job to simply submit and obey. This week, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to my heart. Not only His Word, but His Holy Spirit is going to speak to my heart. John 14, 26, the Bible says, But when the Comforter is come, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Uh, a pastor often says, Obey every spiritual impulse. This week as you're going about your week, God's going to prompt you, do this. He's going to prompt you, don't do that. Go here. Don't go there. Hand a tract to that person. Share the gospel with them. The Holy Spirit is going to prompt you this week. But will we be guilty of obeying the Holy Spirit? We are to obey His Word. We're to be Obeying his Holy Spirit. We're supposed to obey the man of God. Hebrews 13 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief. For this is profitable to you. We're to obey God's man. God has placed a man of God in our lives to give us direction, to give us guidance, to give us counsel. But how often do we obey what the man of God says? As our pastor stands and teaches us and even in the opening remarks tonight gives us direction and counsel, were we listening, will we obey? The man of God is one we're supposed to obey. Our parents, God has put in authority. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Young people, if you're not obeying your parents, you're not right with God. God commends our obedience to our parents. He's given them authority over our lives to guide us, to shape us. God has given us government authority, Romans 13 tells us. He wants us to obey, and then he wants us to obey his calling. I think of Jonah, how God called to Jonah, go to Nineveh. Jonah went the opposite direction. And as soon as he went the opposite direction, he went down, down, down. When we neglect to obey God's call for our lives, we will always face destruction. A new enlistee came uh, into the army and he was talking to an older soldier and he said, I want to be an exemplary soldier in the army. I really value your advice. You're a senior member of the army. What do you have to give me? And the old soldier just looked at the man and said, Well, my advice is brief. Always obey the orders. Always obey orders. The old soldier gave him that advice, and the boy looked at him and said, But what if those orders conflict? Whose orders should I obey? And that uh, basically was not a surprise to the young, older man. He said, That won't happen, young man. But suppose you get conflicting orders. Here's what you do ascertain to the person that is of the highest rank, always listen to the person that has the highest authority. Tonight, God has called us to have many levels of authority. I'm calling for each of us to obey them. Number two, I see here, God is not just looking for my obedience to his authority, but God is looking for my complete obedience. Church, tonight, partial obedience is not obedience. It's disobedience. Saul partially obeyed. Look at verse 8 in the text we just read a little while ago. He took Agag, the king and the, Amalekite, uh, uh, the king of the Amalekites alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Now, if you were to read the end of that verse, he would have completed his action. He would have obeyed. But he only did part of it. He completed part of it, and then he saved Agag, and he spared the best of the sheep. When Saul went ahead and did his own thing, uh, God immediately said, You didn't obey me. Partial obedience in God's eyes is disobedience. You didn't finish the job. This week, Brother Tiago and I had the great privilege of building a shed on the church property. And uh, that's always an exciting thing to do, working on projects outside. And I enjoy working with Brother Tiago. He's a great friend. And we got out there. And let me just give you this little plug for metal sheds. If you have to buy a metal shed for your yard, please plan for two days, maybe three, to build it. It's not an easy job. If it comes with assembly, I'd highly recommend it. Those sheds are very flimsy. The parts will bend. They come with about five million screws. They fall all over America. They test your Christianity. Metal sheds, there's one built in the back and it's, it's very nice. You should go look at it tonight. But we were attempting to follow the instructions. We wanted to get done with that shed, didn't we? We worked on that shed. We started from the ground up. We built the platform, we built the side walls. About halfway through the side walls, we started looking at each other and nothing was lining up. The holes were in the wrong spot and it was, it basically our project came to a standstill. We sat there looking. Brother Eliud, I'm thankful you walked by right about then. He came and looked and he helped us out. He saw that we had missed a spot in the instructions. And because we did not completely follow the instructions unintentionally, we had a complete standstill in our project. You know what? When we only partially follow God's commands, when we only partially follow the leadership in our lives, when we only do half or a portion or a fraction of what they say, it's not going to end up well. It's just like we disobey. So we see here, God expects our obedience. He expects our complete obedience. Tonight, what does my obedience bring? What does my obedience bring? Well, number one, I'm happy to tell you tonight that if you'll obey God and you'll obey His authority, your obedience will bring God's delight. Your obedience will bring God's delight. It'll bring a smile to the face of God Almighty. Verse 22 says, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? God values obedience better than our sacrifice. He values our uh, submission to his commands so highly. I think many Christians, like Brother Cooper said this morning, we're living for things that don't please God. We're living for the temporal. We're living for things that Really, don't bring a smile to the face of God. But if we live with his obedience, obedience to his commands in mind, we're bringing delight to the face of God. Number two, I see that my obedience not only brings God's delight, my obedience shows God my love. Shows God that I love him. John 14, verse 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments. First John 2, 3. Hereby we know that we, we know him if we keep his commandments. 1 John 5 3. Well, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. My daughter Jacqueline's sitting here in the auditorium, and tonight uh, I'm so thankful for all my daughters. I have this little note that she wrote me this morning, and uh, I carried it with me all day today. She didn't know I was going to do this, but it says, I love you, Dad and Mom. She wrote that right before church this morning. You know, that little note meant a lot to me. It brought a smile to my face. It made my day. And just this little note saying, I love you, Dad, meant a lot. But you know what? When we obey God, it's like you're just writing a note to God saying, I love you, God. I'm obeying you tonight because I love you. You've done so much for me, God. I'm going to just obey you tonight. And when you obey God, it's like you just wrote him a note saying, I love you, Lord. I'm thankful for all you've done for me. I'm going to obey what you've called me to do. Patch the Pirate said, Obedience is the very best way. Show that you believe. Doing exactly what the Lord commands and doing it happily. Ha- action is the key. Do it immediately. Joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. My obedience brings God's delight My obedience shows God my love. Tonight I ask you the question, how good at you are you at obeying? Is obedience something that you struggle with? I think it's something we all struggle with. But I think this week, if you were to pay attention to your life, as I have tried to this week pay attention to mine, you'll find that the Holy Spirit will prompt you and convict you about areas where maybe you just do your own thing instead of obeying. Maybe you uh, do it half-heartedly, or you don't complete the job. God will speak to you. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. D.L. Moody was holding a meeting, and uh, it was a revival meeting, and God was doing a great work in that meeting, and they asked for testimonies and a man stood up in the crowd and said I'd like to give a testimony. He said I'm not really sure of all the doctrines and I'm newly saved. I don't really know my Bible that well, but he said there is one thing I can do and he said I'm going to trust God and I'm going to obey. That man's resolution resonated with the song leader that night and the music director went back and talked to one of his pastor friends and he said this phrase is just in my mind it resonated so much i'm just going to trust god and obey that night uh, that pastor and the music director were talking and the pastor said why that's the heartbeat of the christian life before too long that pastor and that music director had penned the words to psalm 277 in our songbook, trust and obey when we walk with the lord in the light of his word what a glory he sheds on our way! While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Tonight the message is very simple. It's very groundbreaking. It's it's on the bottom shelf, folks. There's really no other thing that God is trying to communicate to us from this story. I guess there are. But what stood out to me so much is that God is just looking for our obedience. And tonight I would ask you to consider your level of obedience. Are you obeying God's word? Are you obeying the authority that he's placed into your life? And if not, I'd ask you to make a decision tonight that obedience will reign in your life and in your character Because as Saul realized later in life, obedience is the pathway to God's blessing, but rebellion will lead you down a path of despair and destruction. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us,